outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light, go farther, stay longer. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson. And this week's show is all about a common problem so many of us have with deer hunting. And that's just kind of keeping things simple. No one, well, probably no one, would say rabbit hunting is overly complex. Even the most diehard beagle owner who loves pushing southern habitat for swamp bunnies, you know, they might try to make it seem like more than it is. You know, and the same goes for bird hunters. Although duck hunters might be the exception there. This probably happens because duck hunting can actually be kind of complicated. And hardcore duck hunters are like a different species of human. But the same goes for whitetail hunters. And the same rules apply. You know, deer hunting can be complicated, but it really shouldn't be. This is the lesson of the day, my friends. And I think you can develop a way of thinking that dumbs down deer behavior. And I think that'll make you better off every season. In a past life, I flirted with becoming a lawyer. I actually got three years down the higher education rabbit hole on that quest before being brutally honest with myself about my abilities in college and my future in that role. I switched gears to be a writer, which turned out pretty well, even though it felt like almost as much of a gamble. You know, the money would have been nice, but a lot of the other parts of that career path might not have been so much fun. One that would have bothered me a lot would have been having to communicate with legalese. As a writer by trade, my job is to become more precise and direct with each sentence and not to be like a, intentionally obtuse. Legalese, as it's called, is kind of ridiculous. 
It's like a weird form of gatekeeping where those in the law club can decipher the gibberish while the common folks can't come close to comprehending it. It's unnecessarily complicated and results in sentences like, uh, in the event that the appellate signs the waiver pursuant to any claims against the third party, the cosigner shall not heed the exemplary consequences without the proper damages being attributed to the defendant, who to this point has been unnamed as a countermeasure to the incidental yet punitive sorcery related to the actions heretofore surnamed in the deposition labeled Exhibit F after the injunction filed briefly for a motion. I ran into this recently while researching an article about how states can absolutely stick it to non-residents, even if they are hunting federal land, and it made me think, why? Not, why do we stick it to non-residents, because the answer is because we can, and they are mostly powerless if the state with a capital S wants to abuse you for their monetary game and not reap any real repercussions, the state will do that. No, the why I asked myself was about the wording and the language of legalese. What's the point of making it overly complicated, except to make people feel like they are dumb or not a part of the conversation? Is it to make those in the legal profession feel smarter? Is it actually the best way to draw up contracts and work through the morass that is the legal system and actually therefore necessary? I don't know. I know that it's a bend that a lot of us have, and it has even invaded our space as whitetail hunters. There are a few reasons why, but I think it is so we can make ourselves sound better at hunting. I mean, it's not that cool to tell a story where you're like, well, I killed this buck on the edge of the bean field because I know bucks like to eat beans, and so that's where I sat, and that's where he walked in. It's better to say, you know, something like, I knew this buck was bedding halfway down a ridge after all the winter scouting I did. With my trail camera intel and my midsummer glassing sessions, I identified his core destination food source. I knew that the pressure would be intense, so I set up a stand for a south or a west wind with the idea that this old buck would give me one shot before he went nocturnal. And on and on and on and on. This thing happens in fishing. It happens in dog training. When someone catches a giant bass or has a three musky day, it's never simple. It's always about a specific pattern and a specific presentation that the average fisherman would have never identified. With dogs, the behavior is always challenging and the situation is always unique. Like, I don't know, this lab really prefers to be stubborn during morning training sessions. So I always work into our double blind retrieves by setting up wagon wheel drills first. And then I switch it up just as the wind starts switching directions. So he has to quarter the opposite way and will need my help in telling him where the bumpers are. In reality, it's not that complicated most of the time. And even if we tell our stories like we are pretty gifted at this outdoor thing, it's better to keep things simple. It's better to look at this stuff for what it is, which is you know largely cut and dry. Let me give you an example that's easy to understand. A few years ago, I killed a good buck on public land in North Dakota. This was a pre-rut right into the beginnings of the real rut kind of hunt. I knew it was going to be a low deer affair, so my best bet was to do all-day sits in a place that funneled deer movement. Simple, right? It really was. I parked my happy ass in a spot for four days, and I averaged maybe a couple of deer sightings a day. The spot was just a strip of river bottom on public land that attaches private woods on both sides. The rest of the land, at least the public land, was open ground, covered in cattle. If the deer wanted to go from one woodlot to the other and they wanted to stay in the cover, their options were real limited. That's it. 
the whole setup was just a pinch point during a time when the Bucks should have been cruising, and they were. There really wasn't anything high level about it, and it resulted in a great public land deer that most private land hunters would have been thrilled to shoot. I guess I could add in a bunch of details about the spot that made it better, but the truth was it's not the kind of thing that needs to be complicated, because it wasn't. Most of deer hunting is like that. Hell, most of any type of hunting is like that. Elk hunting is like that, and the biggest hurdle there is just getting around them. After that, they aren't that difficult to hunt most of the time, until they figure out you're there, or the whims of the mountain dwellers take them to two drainages over for some reason. Take another example that's near and dear, no pun intended, to my heart, water holes. The entire reason I love hunting water is because it's so damn simple. Deer get thirsty, they go to drink. That's it. The hotter it is, the easier it is to run this program. There isn't anything super technical about it, at least as a hunting style or strategy. The little details, like how to approach a water hole and where to set up, will involve some mental horsepower, because every situation is a little different. You know, and the variables of wind and weather can alter plans in a hurry. But again, a lot of that is pretty simple. If it's 90 degrees and there's a south wind blowing, you have a perfect tree to set up in for just that wind. I don't know, man. It's pretty simple. If it's 40 degrees with a variable wind, now it's a different story. But that's not when you'd really want to be on water anyway. And instead, should maybe hunt some travel corridors. Now, there is a difference in simplicity when it comes to hunting deer versus hunting individual bucks. When you're hunting just deer, which is what everyone should do for some years before they start to hunt specific bucks, the rules are simple. Where do they probably bed? How about travel, feed, what trails connect those spots? How can you get into those areas while causing the least amount of disturbance? These questions are about all you need to answer correctly to really be in the game. If you're hunting pressure deer, you can add in the idea that the easy stuff will get hunted and the hard stuff maybe won't. This is actually really simple too, but we make it way more complicated because even when we know it to be true, we have a hard time not hunting spots we want to hunt. We like familiarity a lot. We don't like change. As hunters, both of these predispositions can make us bad at the task. In this way, we actually keep it too simple so that we don't have to think about things. And that makes hunting seem hard and complicated. I know that's a word salad made mostly with kale, which is hard to handle, but it's true. Deer are simple creatures, but so are we. What makes things more complicated is mostly between our ears. And that's the danger we all face. This is no more true than when we are struggling, which is what I'm going to talk about in next week's podcast. Think of it this way. When are you most likely to believe this is all really complex? When are you most likely to believe the ways of deer are complicated and beyond the understanding of our sad, smooth brains? When things go wrong, or at least when things don't go really right. Take a hunt I shared with one of my daughters in the end of September as an example. It was pretty cut and dry. She wanted a deer, so we hunted a few blinds that should have produced encounters. Since it was pouring rain for our first sit, and the wind was blowing from the southeast, which sucks mostly, we went to a backup spot to preserve a better spot. The wind was good for that backup spot, but the question was if we'd bump deer on the way in since they sometimes bed there. Well, I don't know what happened, because we blanked. We then blanked on three sits after that while looking at a lush little kill plot tucked into the big woods of Wisconsin. I was flustered. It made me think a lot of things. 
Now, I talk a lot of shit about people who buy into moon phase as a primary driver of deer movement, but let me tell you this. I was staring at that full moon during that trip like it had just kicked my dog and made a pass at my wife. I was like, you rotten chunk of rock and regolith just spinning out there 260,000 miles away from me with your dumb tides and your werewolf connections. I also blame the weather since it was either pouring or stupid hot. I blamed a lot of things for the turd sandwich that was that hunt, but I think the truth is far more simple. When I hunt that property and keep things really safe, I almost always have a few days where the does are scrapper bucks. They cooperate pretty well. But I took a gamble on our first sit of that weekend, and I think it cost us. I think the deer knew we came in there, and they don't like those intrusions. Usually when I go in there and get busted, you know, or I'm grouse hunting or whatever, the deer will disappear for at least a few days. I didn't think that first hunt in that bedding area would produce those results, but those results happened, and I think that's why. So, lesson learned. Maybe the moon did affect our hunt. Maybe it was the weather, but I know I did something I never do, and the following hunts were highlighted by rabbit and squirrel sightings and one fat raccoon moving way too late in the morning. From now on, with a bad wind, I'll hunt somewhere other than that property. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co 
And make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go. But here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Now, here's where the main lesson probably comes in. I'm an outdoor communicator, and my natural reaction is to break that hunt down in a way that makes the deer sound like they are super smart, while also making me sound pretty damn crafty. But the deer we were hunting aren't super smart. We were literally targeting forkies and does, not seven-and-a-half-year-old public land bruisers. The gravity I feel to make things sound more complicated, and thus less accessible to some of my audience, is real. This is endemic in the outdoor world, and it's most often noticeable on someone who has a specific style of hunting. I don't care what it is either. Bed hunting experts, stalking experts, ground hunting experts, early season experts, rut hunting experts, deer calling experts, whatever. If someone is selling you information about hunting, the odds are decent that they might intentionally or unintentionally overcomplicate things. I mean, it's a pretty short sales pitch for your skills if you're like... I don't know, I like hunting buck beds because that's where bucks go to spend their day. If I set up close by, I can sometimes shoot them because of this. That's not that cool, even though it's kind of true. Making the whole process and strategy sound way more complicated means that the audience has to follow along. And they'll have a lot of questions about why they failed and you didn't. But the truth is, you did almost every time. You just have the luxury of talking about your wins and skipping over the many many losses and they are far more aware of their losses because they are trying something out of their comfort zone and while they hope to succeed most people expect to fail at this stuff and when they do an easy reason why is because the task was so complicated i don't know most folks would have failed there's comfort in shared misery if there wasn't we wouldn't all be so addicted to social media so the balance lies in recognizing when things actually are complicated or where we're making them be so without them actually needing to be so. A good way to find this balance is to spend time watching deer, which is what I've talked about a lot. The more you can see them do their thing, the less crafty they really seem. This goes for in-season observation any time of the year when you can watch deer, even does and fawns and scrapper bucks. It's also important to break down what should be simple and what might not be. Hunting deer shouldn't be complicated. It's just not. Your job is to figure out where deer like to walk, and that isn't that hard. They leave a lot of sign. They're influenced by terrain, and well, they're pretty predictable in general. We know a lot about deer, my friends. The part where it gets complicated sometimes is when to hunt a spot, how to hunt a spot. This is where you can get bogged down in the overthinking and the overanalysis, and that's trouble. 
a good hedge against a mental meltdown over this stuff is just to accept the risk of trying something. If you feel like you know where you like to walk in the evening, but you have a few different options for setups, just try something. Whether it's saddling up in the best tree or building a natural ground blind, whatever, give it a go. Sometimes the deer do what you expect. A lot of times they don't. When they do, you've learned something. And when they don't, you've learned something. Over time, especially if you lean into a mobile hunting strategy, you start to get very comfortable with this process. It teaches you that trying is almost always worth it because sometimes it works out. And even when it doesn't, you're probably like a little better hunter because of it. You're not sitting in the same tree stand over and over wondering why the Drury Brothers are killing huge bucks left and right and you can't see a spike to save your life. Instead, you're actively working the deer in a way that takes into account the simple things we know about them. The stuff like where they probably bed and where they definitely sometimes walk and where they for sure like to fill their bellies, even if it's at midnight. The basics are all right there. They aren't out of reach of any hunter. Even big woods hunters who have to play the browse pattern with low deer densities can do this stuff. Although that situation can be a little more complicated and a hell of a lot more frustrating. Still attainable though, if you keep it simple and understand that a lot of the reason deer hunting seems so complicated is because it's just a difficult task to begin with. And so much of the advice comes from folks who have a vested interest in making the whole process sound way more complex than it really is. This is just good stuff to think about, but it might not help you with next week's topic, which is why it's so damn hard for so many of us to keep our shit together on mature bucks. That's what I'm going to talk about. And even if you're in the, I don't know, shoot any deer phase of your hunting journey, you're going to want to give it a listen. And if you're real interested in big bucks, you're definitely going to want to give it a listen. That's it for this week, my friends. I'm Tony Peterson. This has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. Head on over to themeateater.com and you will see so many articles, so many videos, so many podcasts, so much hunting content. You can also stop at the store there, maybe pick up a new Phelps call or some First Light camo, whatever. Go check it out if you want to get your fix on not only deer hunting, but fishing stuff, western big game hunting, small game, whatever. It's all there. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.